morning, Grace Chapel. Please do not adjust your TV sets. Although I may be short and with glasses, I am not Pastor Brian, but you already discerned this because you know I am younger than he is. But good morning. I wanted to, uh, or I should say, actually, uh, Pastor Brian had uh, asked me several weeks ago um, if I would be able to uh, join him in uh, teaching a series on uh, the five core values here at uh, Grace Chapel. And the one he specifically asked me on was uh, generosity. And uh, I think he asked me that because he knows a little bit about my story and, and how generosity has become a very, very important value in my life, one that we've tried to walk out over the course of uh, my wife's and my marriage and that. And just because of a series of events that have happened in my life, it's just God's just used these series of events to transform me and to change the way I think of generosity. And so when I really started to think about, you know, maybe what did I want to talk about? Uh, with this, because obviously generosity has, uh, there's a lot of facets to generosity. You know, there's, there's the time, there are the talents, and then obviously there's the finances. And uh, my particular area is, is probably we're going to focus a little bit more on the finances today. And, and so when I started to think about this, I started to look back at to where Pastor Brian started these last five weeks. And, and there were really two key statements that he had made that really stuck in my heart. It stuck in my mind. And, and I want to start really with those key statements. And the first one was, the transaction of your time and your money determines your values. Amen? So, Time and money are two finite resources that we have in all of our lives, right? We don't know how long we have. We don't know if we're going to live another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 60 years tomorrow. Amen? Finances, another finite area in our lives. You know, there's always opportunity to make more money, get that promotion and go after new things. But at the end of the day, you have what you have. You're blessed with what you've been blessed with. So where you spend your time and your money are, are really areas where you, you display what you value. The second area that we, we the, the second statement really that he said is, is, is a little more blunt, and frankly that's where I like to live, and, and that's the area where he said, you know, show me your checkbook and I'll tell you your values. Amen? And so for me... Um, it wasn't always this case, as we'll, we'll, you'll hear a little bit about, but, you know, today when I look at my, I don't look at a checkbook uh, register anymore. I look on online, right, you know, 2018. So I look on my online banking register, and what I see first is uh, tithes, tithes and offerings. We in our house, we value generosity as, as a value. And then after that, what you see on our uh, online checking account statement is, is frankly, you, you see where I paid for my, my daughter's voice lessons. My son's flag football, right? His Cub Scouts, we go camping together as a family. So family is very much valued in, in, in our household, and therefore we spend our time and money chasing after what we value, amen? And so if you have your Bibles today, Let's, let's grab a hold of those, and we're going to start here in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And of course, we'll put it on the overhead. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And so this is Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth. And what was happening at the time is, is Paul is writing the church. Um, they, they had The church of Corinth was a fairly well-to-do church. And, and what they were going to do is they were going to take up an offering and, and give generously to the church of Jerusalem. And so Paul's writing to them and reminding them that, number one, hey, you need to fulfill this. But also, he begins to talk to them about what does generosity really look like? What is God's textbook or roadmap, if you will, as to what it looks like to be generous? And so we get into the, second, or the sixth verse, I'm sorry, and it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so what this really is, is this is a roadmap. This is what God's plan is in our lives for what our generosity needs to look like. Amen? And so what we need to do then as individuals and as a church is to get this into our hearts and minds. And I mention this as individuals and church because I think a lot of times we say, well, we're a generous church. Well, what does that really mean? A lot of us will, will, will think of it as church is a building or church is an entity or ch church is a structure when in reality all church is is a makeup uh, the combination of all of us together as individual members coming together brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping our king together and helping others to, to come and know Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's why it's important that all of us as individuals understand what generosity is. And that's the only way we as a church can be generous. Amen? And so why, what's the importance of generosity? Where does that come from? Well, as Christians, we all know what does what our walk with Christ to look like? We are to become more Christ-like. Right? So if we're to become more Christ-like, well, then we need to understand who is God? What does God value? And all we have to do to, to, to really understand that is look in his word. Amen? And so what we, you'll find in his word is we serve a mighty and a generous God. He is both mighty and generous. And, and all of the examples you need to see of his generosity are located in the Bible. God makes us a lot of promises. God wants to fulfill all of those promises in all of our lives. Amen? And so he says, look, if, if, you, if you follow my word, if you live your life as righteously and follow in my path, I will fulfill the promises that I have for you. Additionally, he gives us gifts. He gives us the gifts of the Spirit. And so we have a God who wants to fulfill his promises and give us gifts. And then, of course, the greatest telling of all of his generosity is our own salvation. Amen? So for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his son so that his son might be tortured, hung on a tree to die, and rise again on the third day so that we can be sinless. Christ assumed the sin, a debt we couldn't pay. Amen? 
And so we as individuals have to understand what this generosity is and that this generosity is because we have to be generous because we have a generous God. Amen? Amen. So, you know, I think in reality, in terms of our first experience with generosity, it's not necessarily that we just dove into the Word and said, okay, this is what generosity looks like. Instead, I think many of us have had a couple of experiences in life where we eventually found out what generosity was by usually one of two ways. There may be some more out there, but just in terms of some of the people that I've talked to that I know to be very generous people, it, it seemed to be two two main ways that we've come to understand here in the world what generosity looks like. And the first way is really, um, you know, we, we find out what generosity looks like because we're a recipient of that generosity. Amen? So, and that was my case. That's how I found out what generosity looked like. It wasn't that I was a generous person. It was that somebody was generous to me. Amen? And so what ended up happening is when I was about 13 years old, my parents got divorced. And in, in my house, which was in the booming metropolis of Genesee Depot, Wisconsin, I know you all heard of it, um, I was 13 years old, my parents got divorced. And so we had, in our house, we had one income that supported one house. So it worked out. But what ended up happening through that divorce is now I had, we had one income as a family, supporting two houses. So struggles started to set in. Things got a little harder. There started to become some lack. There started to become some sacrifices being made upon, by each of the family members in order to survive, to get to the next day. And where the generosity really came in was the little Catholic church that we belong to, St. Paul's Catholic Parish in Genesee Depot, Wisconsin, they would come out to the house after hearing about our situation. They came out to the house and they began to put bags and boxes of groceries on our doorstep. And it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. It's like, it's like ding dong, ding dong ditch for Jesus, right? They'd put the stuff on the doorstep, they'd ring the doorbell, they'd run to the car, and by the time we got to the door, the car was backing down the driveway. So ding dong ditch for Jesus. But that's where I learned what generosity looked like because somebody else was being generous and we, I was a recipient of that generosity. So I think a lot of us have had that experience where we've received generosity. I think the other way in which many of us have come to know and understand what generosity looks like is we, we have a teacher. We had a role model. We had somebody who was generous that we were able to watch and follow along with in their generosity to others. So you contrast my experience to, say, like my wife's experience with generosity. So my wife grew up in the church, and her parents were tithers and offer, gave offerings, gave to needs above and beyond. And so my wife's experience was watching her parents and them model the way. Amen? And then so in her mind, this is just what we do. This is just a part of life. She got it. She had that in her right away. So when she was in her late teens and she left the house... She just kept on walking in the same path that her parents had modeled for her. We tithe, we offer, we give generously. That's how she approached this. 
Amen? And so there are two different paths. And, and what it is, though, is, is like especially in her instance, it was in her DNA. It's buried inside of us. There, I think there's a generous person in all of us. I think it's inside of our spiritual DNA to be generous. We're not all living it out. I wasn't. We aren't all living it out, but it's in there. Do I have a scientific study that says, you know, here's your generous gene? No. Do I have a scripture that says, and God created you to be generous? No, I don't have that either. Um, But I'll take a, we'll take a unscientific poll. Don't answer this out loud or don't raise your hand. But I think we can all answer the question and think about this. Do I want to be known as or do I want to see myself as a generous person? Ask that question of yourself. Do I want to be known as a generous person or do I want to see myself as being generous? The question isn't, am I generous? It's, do I want to see myself or do I want to be known as generous? Okay? I'm going to step on a limb. I think it's a fairly thick limb. And I'll say that every one of us wants to be known as being generous. I think, I don't, I I can't imagine anybody said, no, I'm good. Right? So we all kind of said, yeah, I want to be generous. And so that's where I, that's where I come to this conclusion that, man, I just think it's buried in there. I think it's down, it might be underneath some crud, but we got to get rid of that. Because our DNA, our, our natural tendency of being generous is there, it's just buried. And there are barriers to that generosity from time to time. And so we need to identify what those barriers are. And I think there's a couple of main barriers that, that maybe all of us have struggled with. And the first barrier to generosity is a fear of lack. It's fear. That's where I came from. Remember, I grew up in Genesee Depot, Wisconsin, booming metropolis, with groceries on my front porch. That, that experience etched itself in me. I couldn't walk out of that experience not marked. And so when I walked out and I, I left, left the house, I went to college, I graduated, I got a job, I started to work. And then I worked, and then I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. Why? Because I was afraid of lack. And so I had this mentality all through my young adulthood going into this where I can't be generous because I might put myself back in a situation where I don't have enough. And so now I'm getting ready to get married, right? And I come from, I have a fear of lack. My wife's experience is, hey, man, this is what we do. We're generous. We, you give. And so you see what's going to happen here, right? A couple of trains on the same track. It's nighttime. They're approaching each other. There's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some questioning. There's going to be some challenging. And that's how it was in my house. I looked at... The checkbook register. Back then, I actually did have a checkbook register. But so we looked at the checkbook register, and I said, well, golly, what is this? That's a checkout to the church we belong to. I'm no math wizard, but that's a little more than 10% of what we made. <laughs> What's going on? That's, that, that's a big check. And my wife's perspective is, well, this is what we do. We're givers. 
And so we struggled there for a little bit. But fortunately, I have a God in heaven who loves me, and he blessed me with a wife, with a wife who was able to speak into my heart and do it out of love. And I have a God who also opened my heart to receive that message. And then God also did this, though. He goes, but hey, if you really want to know about this, go read the Bible, man. Go check it out for yourself. So I did. And where do you think he put me? Yeah, Malachi, right? (laughs) He put me right into Malachi 3.10. And Malachi 3.10 tells us to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. I thought, man, the Lord God's challenging me. He's saying, test me in this. So I said, challenge accepted. And so I was able to get to a place with my wife where we became a tithing, giving couple. She wasn't just a generous person anymore. We were a generous couple. Amen? And, and for any of the ladies in the house, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, imagine... You're just married. Your husband is the spiritual head of the household. And here you are. You got to bring him along. You got to bring him along. But there's hope. There's God. Amen? It worked. And so we, we started tithing. And we were giving. And we were giving at every opportunity we can give because God said, test us. And you know what? It didn't happen overnight, but we, we started to receive the blessings of God. Over a period of months and then years, we started, there were, there were opportunities where we got blessed in, from areas that we never even saw coming. And, and it just started to continue to, he just continued to bless us and bless us and bless us. But, you know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. There will be some tests. It doesn't all... You don't ride off into the sunset necessarily all the time. So there's going to be, you're going to be tested in your resolve. And that resolve for me was tested really in about starting in January, well, early 2006 and into 2007, where I was being blessed because, of, because I, was being, uh, uh, I was giving according to God's word. But what ended up happening is I started to become blessed. And I thought, well, clearly I'm a genius. So we're going to take this opportunity to start investing in, uh, I found two partners, and we started investing in some commercial real estate. So I don't know if you picked up on the time frame when I started this, right? It was 2006, 2007, and then we went into 2008, 2009, and, and we were still a young business. And, and, and so 2008 happened, and things we started to struggle as a business. And... Then it got really hard, because then my two partners beat feet. They took off. And so here I was with a fledgling business, and we're, we're about a million and a half dollars in real estate, and I, now it's on me to keep this thing afloat, because if we don't keep it afloat, we're going to lose it. And I, not just that, everything. And so here I am now, laying in bed, faithful tither, 10 years, 
laying in my bed, looking up at the ceiling, going, I wonder how much longer I'm going to look up at this ceiling. And so, the, and, and at, the, at that time, I had hired some uh, lawyer and a couple consultants because, you know, guys, we need to unload this stuff. We need to fix this. I, I can't keep doing this. It's pressure. It's mounting. It's building. All these bills are coming in. And I'm laying there one night in my bed, and I had a thought. It wasn't a good thought. I thought to myself, you know, maybe what I could do is instead of drop that tide check into the bucket this weekend, maybe I'll use that to pay off some, some of these bills. But you know what? It's cool, God, because you got an IOU from me. You know, I, I, I'll, I'm good for it. I'll pay you back. And then just as soon as I said that, God just, you know, dropped the scales from my eyes. And, and I thought, man, you really gave the God of heaven and the earth and the universe, creator of the whole universe, an IOU? That's about the dumbest thing you've ever come up with. An IOU to God? But there I was. And fortunately, we never went there. Because he, he revealed to me right away the, the stupidity of that idea. And so we continued to tithe. And we continued to offer. And man, it, it was hard. There were a lot of hard days. There were a lot of long nights. Sleepless nights. But our God's faithful. He comes through. And so during this time, as we're going through this, uh, we were at the church office. Uh, we were having a, a service. And, and the, the speaker then began to prophesy over us. And so I remember he, he came up and he put his arm on my shoulder and he said, I don't know your situation, but God's telling me you, he is going to restore everything you lost and then some. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. No idea how this is going to get done, but thank you, Jesus. And you know what? The reality is, is over a period of time, he did every word. We got everything back we lost and then some and it was through a series of things we just never even saw coming and it was God it was amazing but you know hey it, it, you know that fear of lack can be very very powerful and you just need to know that you have a father in heaven above who loves you and, and he's, he's crazy about you. And, and, and he's a God who keeps his promises. Amen? So we got to cast that fear aside. The other barrier to generosity, and I think maybe many of you will also appreciate this, is, is we get into this nasty habit of needing to compare ourselves to others. Okay? So we start comparing ourselves. You know, God bless social media, but, but um, we just get to a point where you know, for example here, you know, if, if I have a giving opportunity and I purpose in my heart, I'm going to give $25, okay? That's what I can do. That's based on my circumstances. I will sacrificially give $25. But then through the grapevine, that lovely grapevine, you, you hear of two other couples, right? So-and-so and such-and-such. -and -such. You know them, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so and Mr. and Mrs. Such-and-such. So you're going to give your $25, but then you find out so-and-so and such-and-such -and -such are each going to give $250 each. And you're like, $250 each? Man, I'm giving my $25. That's all I'm doing. That's all I can do. 
That's what God purposed in my heart. But, man, that's $500. What's my $25 going to do against their $500? How might it, you know, the need's met. What, what, why, why, why do I have to give the $25 now? It ain't going to make a hill of beans worth of difference, right? We fall into that. But here's what you got to get is, and this is what I tell my kids all the time, is that instead of looking at what other people have, you need to get on your knees and you say, thank you, God, for what I have. Thank you, God, for the blessings that I have. Because here's, here's here's the crazy part. For all the people that have more than you, and there's always going to be somebody, right? Better house, bigger car, whatever it is. Bigger car, bigger house, better car. But for every person that is over there, man, there's so many people behind that have less than you. Not behind you, that's bad. But less than you, right? And and the best part is you don't know what God could do with that $25. You serve a God. I serve a God who can take that $25 and turn that into more than you could ever possibly imagine. And if you need some proof, I got some here in the Bible. There's a story about some loaves and fishes to illustrate that. Amen? We serve a mighty and powerful God who can do amazing things. Don't fall into the trap of making a comparison. You need to base your generosity on what God purposes in your heart and and then give and trust he's going to be God and trust that he's going to do what he is going to do. Amen? And so, you know, there's another story in the Bible. I think we are all very familiar with it and this is the story of, of the widow, right? Well, this is the story where um, you know, uh, Jesus is sitting at the treasury and he's watching the wealthy put their, put, put their uh, uh, money into the treasury and it's based on their excess. And then the widow comes along and in, she and her poverty put in the two mites. And that's when Jesus says to the disciples, this woman put in all, everyone else put out of their access. Give what you are purposed to give by God. And, and, and just trust that he is going to take that and multiply that beyond, far above and beyond your comprehension. So, so now that we've kind of talked about some barriers, this is, that isn't a comprehensive list, by the way, clearly. There's plenty of barriers, but those, I think, are the two most common ones, right? We have a fear of lack, and, a, and, and we begin to compare ourselves. So now that we understand some of these barriers, now we need to understand the concepts behind giving. Those concepts were laid out in that uh, passage of 2 Corinthians, verses 6 and 7. And so the first concept that we really need to wrap our head around when it comes to generosity is the concept of sowing and reaping. Okay? And so God clearly states, look, you can sow a little, and and it's not like you're not going to get anything in return. God will bless you. But God has a bigger plan and purpose for you. God wants you to grab a hold of the idea that sacrificial giving in your circumstances, where you're at, as he purposes in your heart, if you give above and beyond, you're going to give, you're going to reap a blessing that is above and beyond. Amen? And so you really got to get 
into the mindset of I will reap, I will sow what I reap. And, and, you know, hey, let's go back to Malachi for a second. I'll be honest, when I read that, when I read that scripture, first thing I thought of was, nice. Give on Monday, or give on Sunday, get on Monday. Well, it doesn't work like that, okay? You know, this isn't Bank of God, ATM stuff, you know? It just doesn't work that way. He will bless you. That is a promise of God. We serve a God who doesn't break his promises. It is truth. The only thing of it is, is his truth and our timing don't always align. Amen? So you just got to wrap your head around that. You got to keep your head down. You got to keep on, keep on keeping on and just understand you serve a big God who doesn't break his promises. Amen? The second concept we need to grab is, is we need to prayerfully consider in our generosity. Okay? We need, we need prayerful consideration of our generosity. And so I go back to the story of, of how I grew up. I grew up in, 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 in my little Catholic parish in uh, Genesee Depot, Wisconsin. And, you know, in that church, I never learned about tithing or offerings or giving and how to give. My parents never taught me that, God bless them. I'm not sure if they knew, right? And so what we were was we were kind of, well, we were kind of a bunch of tippers, you know, so it was five, ten bucks, right? You had a good week. Hey, twenty dollars. You're welcome. Uh, that was kind of the approach, you know. I mean, that's just how it was. We didn't prayerfully consider. And so, what you need to do is you really need to get down to this, and and you need to get on your knees and say to yourself, Lord, what do you want me to give? Purpose into my heart what your will is for me to give today. I always, ask, I, I've learned over the years that when I have an opportunity to give. I prayerfully go before God and say, what do you want me to give? I will also be very transparent with you in this. Is there are times when God puts a mountain in your heart and you have to ask yourself, are you sure, God? Because that's a little more than I was thinking. Amen? Come on. I've been there. But you know what? We serve a good God, and, and he's going to affirm himself to, to you, and, and, he, and, and if you're obedient, he, he's going to meet you where you're at, and he's going to bless you immensely. And so, you know, prayerfully consider your giving. And then uh, the final concept to, to being generous out of Second Corinthians is, is, is give with a cheerful heart. Be cheerful when you're giving. Um, you know, if, if your approach is we're going to write the check, Throw the pen across the room, tear out the check, ball it up, throw it in the bucket, and say, there you go. Because that's what you get. ladies say, right? There you go. If, if that's the approach, you missed it. You missed it. Tom, Pastor Tom, between services, said he once heard a, a guy say something like, uh, something to the effect of, God loves a cheerful giver, but it'll take from a grumpy one. Uh, <laughs> That's not what we want to get out of this, amen? All right? Here, here's the real deal is, is, is God really doesn't need your money. He doesn't. He wants your heart. He knows how important finances are to all of us, and that's why he wants you to be a cheerful giver because he wants to know that your heart's with him. He wants to know that despite 
your concerns and your worries and everything else, you know that God is going to bless you and that you rely solely on God and not on your finances to get through this life. Amen? And so God wants a cheerful giver because if you give to him with a cheerful heart, he knows he has your heart and he'll bless you for that. So we just need to make sure that at the end of the day, we're grabbing a hold of these concepts. We're applying them into our lives as individuals so that we together corporately can come together as a church and be generous and fulfill God's plan and purpose for generosity in our life. It's a core value. It's a core value that we have to get all the junk off of and get all the the stuff off of. And once we do that through prayer and, 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 and through getting into the word, we can be the givers that God intended for us to be. We serve a generous and mighty God. We want to follow in his footsteps. We want to be Christ-like in our approach to giving. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I know, I know sometimes this can be a hard word. It was for me. It was tough. It wasn't any fun, especially when you're not in a place where you're, you're fulfilling that value. You, you, you've elevated that value to the highest, one of the highest level, along with the other four values. Amen? And so what I want to do here today is just I'd like, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to call anybody up. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand. Instead, I'm just, I'm going to pray here in agreement with you that if you have any barriers, be it any of the ones that I mentioned, fear of lack or just comparing yourself to others, we're, we're going to pray that those get broken off here and now. We're going to pray that God reveals to you and, and speaks into your heart what true generosity looks like, what God-like generosity looks like. Amen? And so those of you that have broken through this that have understood and are, are walking out your, your God-given generosity, if you could just pray with others, just pray that any strongholds, any barriers that are keeping anybody back from fulfilling their plan and purpose that God has in their generosity, that, that those strongholds and barriers get shattered today. So if you could bow your head and close your eyes. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for this. We thank you for this, this word in your, in your scripture that tells us, Father, how to be generous. We're generous people, Father God. We, it's in our DNA. You've, in, you've planted that inside of us. There, everybody want, here wants to be generous. And we know that you're a generous God, Father. You, you've, you've, dis, you've shown us this time and time and time again, even when we didn't deserve it. And we in our walk as Christians, Father God, we want to be Christ-like. And so we know in order to do that, one of the areas that we need to get right with is, is, is the area of generosity. And so, Father God, I break every stronghold. I crash through every barrier, Father God, with your word. With your word on being generous, Father God, that we just eliminate all these barriers. You, you open these, everyone's heart, my heart included, Father God, to knowing and understanding what your plan and purpose is in our giving, Father God, be it time, be it talent, be it treasure. And so I speak a blessing over all of those that 
have, have fought that battle and come out the other side. I, I, I speak a blessing upon those that are where, I, where I've been and had the concerns that I've had and I've laid awake at night. I break that all off, Father God, and I, I thank you for the blessings you are going to do in their life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 